just want to say welcome to uh, each of you here tonight. Welcome to those who are tuned in online on YouTube. Uh, there's people listening tonight, I think from Pittsburgh. That's where they said they're on their way back here and they're tuning in. There's others listening from Brantford, not as impressive, but still all right. And uh, wherever else you may be, we're glad that you're here tonight. And especially if you're here, here tonight, grateful for that. So uh, we have been in a series on talking about the armor of God, talking about truth and righteousness and some of the others. But we're going to take a break from the armor up series, is what we called it. Uh, we're going to pick that up in the new year. We're going to spend a couple weeks just in this thought of Advent and preparation for Christmas and, and, uh, I think sometimes as you prepare for this, or if you've been to Advent services, you think, man, I've heard this all before. This is the same stuff over and over. And it isn't, it, there's often sim- similarities in the thoughts, but there's just such an incredible, it is such an incredible story. It's such an incredible time. The idea of Advent, Advent, if you're not familiar with it, is uh, the, the four weeks right before um, Christmas, or when we celebrate the birth of Jesus. It's not the actual birth date of Jesus, but it's when we celebrate his birth. That Advent is something that... Um, People would translate it to be the anticipation. You know, Black Friday's happening and everybody's like purchasing because they know Christmas is coming. If you didn't make it, you still have a couple days. Cyber Monday is, is the chance to catch up on whatever you missed out on on Black Friday. But maybe you know the anticipation for you is not gifts at all, but you hear the carols on the, uh, on the radio or see the Christmas lights along the way. Uh, here tonight, you think, yeah, it's that. It puts you in that, that mood of like, ah, oh, it's coming. Christmas is coming. That, that season, that time is coming. This year, uh, we had an early snowstorm this year. And uh, as a result, it felt like Christmas came early. And so my wife decided we're going to put up the Christmas tree early. And so I don't know when that was, like the first week of November, but the tree was up. And then my kids were sitting there and they're like, I hate it when mom puts up the Christmas tree early because there's no presents under the tree. And so we thought, okay, well, we better wrap some boxes and stick them under the tree. And so we did. And, and then the other day, I just hear the kids, the day after the presents started, Dad, can we open one? I'm like, no, you got to wait till Christmas. I hate when mom puts Christmas presents under the tree so early because we don't get to open them. We have to wait so long. We have to wait so long. And uh, I said, okay, no problem. I will just bring them right back to the store. And they're like, no, 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 we're good. We'll, we'll wait. No problem. But they have such energy of this anticipation. I don't know if you have kids that it's that thought of like, they're just so excited. How many more days? And I think that's why they invented the advent calendar. Just so you can be like, I'm not going to answer this question. Just go look at the calendar. And they'd realize, oh, it's like 23 more days, but I got a chocolate and we're good. And it's just so, so simple. So simple. But it's that energy of anticipation. Like I know it's coming, but, but just not yet. I know it's coming, but not yet. And I want you to keep those words in your mind. I know it's coming, but not yet. Um, some of them described, um, sometimes that word, that anticipation is described as hope. You know, kids are hoping for certain presents this year. My, my one son, he has let us know over and over and over what he is hoping for. And we got it for him, but we're just trying to make sure he doesn't know. So don't tell him he got what he was hoping for. Um, but what are you hoping for this Christmas? Have you thought about that? What are you hoping for this Christmas? Maybe there is this gift I always say too, you know, I've given up on this dream of like sporty, red, convertible, wind in my hair. No, it's never going to happen. So, you know, like, but maybe for you, it's not a gift. And for most of us, it often isn't a gift. Maybe it's something else. Maybe you're hoping that, you know, he's finally going to ask the question and you're going to be engaged this Christmas. Maybe you're hoping that Finally, you know, someone will say yes when you ask them out on a date and you don't have to be single this Christmas. 
Maybe for you, you're hoping, I hope my children will call this Christmas. It's Christmas. I know we don't talk, but it's Christmas. Maybe you're hoping you and your spouse are going to be able to work on or fix your marriage this Christmas. Maybe you hope that you're going to get a good diagnosis from your doctor. Maybe you're just hoping that you could go home from the hospital for Christmas. Sometimes we hope for things for long periods of time, and, and uh, we're, it's so long that we're not sure if it's even going to happen, so we don't even know if we should hope anymore. And if you feel like that ever, if you felt like, you know, you're waiting and waiting, and it's just not happening, and you wonder, you're not alone in that feeling. Uh, the idea of Advent, the idea of hope, this anticipation of the hope, it's the, it was the hope, the anticipation of the arrival of Jesus. Uh, and so we look back, we look back to celebrate the arrival of Christ, but the people back then weren't looking back. They were looking forward to, to something they had been hoping for for a long, long, long time. They uh, had to shift, often shift their hope from what was past to what was still coming. To shift their hope from the promises that they had heard to this reality that they were hoping for. And when the Bible talks about hope, it's not talking about wishful thinking. It's not, not this idea of like, you know, I, I'm, I'm just like, oh yeah, I hope I win the lottery. Just kind of wishful thinking, but hope is actually this intentional preparation or this expectantly waiting. You know what a pregnant woman, they, like you talk to pregnant women at the end of their pregnancy and what are they like? Well, I mentioned, sometimes I'll mention that, oh, no baby yet. Oh, that's good. And they're like, it's not good. It's like, I gotta get this baby out. You know, I've had two women tell me that in the last two weeks. So I probably shouldn't say that anymore, but they just, they just want that baby out. They know, they know it's coming, but just not yet. Uh, the other day we were sitting with some friends and their, their um, sister was having a baby. And so they were at our house and they said, we're coming, but we'll hang out with you. But if our sister has a baby, we're leaving and we're just sitting there. And so the phone is there and every text was like, oh, is it? Oh, no, no, it's not, it's not yet, not yet. And then a phone call, oh, no, not yet. And they would start pranking each other. The siblings would be calling each other just to get them going, uh, thinking that, oh, maybe, but, but not yet. What is that? They know it's coming. It's just... Not yet, but they look forward to it. Well, the people of Israel as a nation, they uh, were familiar with this idea of waiting. They had, you know, they, the nation of Israel, if you read through the Bible, you see that they were either, either in slavery or about to be in slavery. They seemed to always have this spot where life was bad and it was going to get worse. And they, but they had these promises. They had these promises that they would continuously remind themselves of and speaking to one another, reminding themselves of the promises. And they, they maybe have said things like this. Remember Moses? Remember great Moses? I know we're in trouble right now, but Moses told us. He told us about Adam and Eve and how they messed it all up. But remember how he said, God told them that one day, <coughs> someday, someday, someone, someone's coming to crush the head of the enemy. Remember, remember, and so they waited. Someone was coming to rescue them. And they waited 600 years. 600 years. That's a long time. I'd ask how many of you have waited that long. It's generations of people waiting for this promise to happen. And then they would say 600 years later, when David came on the scene, remember David? Man, our great King David. They'd waited 600 years, but God promised again that one of his descendants would rule forever. So the promise was, it might have took 600 years, but still coming, just not yet. And so they waited another 300 years. Like we read through this stuff so fast and don't realize it's like generations of people waiting and waiting and waiting. They waited 600. Now they waited 300 more. Then they're like, maybe remember Isaiah? 
I remember what Isaiah wrote. And they'd say they, they could read what Isaiah wrote. He wrote things like this. All right, then. The Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son. We'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. He hasn't forgotten about us. God is going to come and be with us. Remember, Isaiah 9 a couple of chapters later said this, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled. There'll be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, and why do I highlight that? Because that's talking about us. This idea of the Gentiles, this place which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea will be filled with glory. Isaiah writing this hundreds of years before said, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light's going to shine. For a child's born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. He's coming. He's going to be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He's something. His government and his peace will never end. He'll rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor, David, for all eternity. There's that promise once again. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies is going to make this happen. Remember what Isaiah said, and then they waited. You know, there's that, that Christmas song, O come, O come, Emmanuel. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. That song wasn't written back then, but I bet you that was in the hearts of the people. God, when are you coming? God, we've waited like 600 years. Then we waited 300 years. And we waited another 300 years. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. God is with us. Rejoice. Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. That promise that we, we keep hoping, we keep knowing it's, it's, it's coming, but just not yet. They waited so long, and yet they continued to wait. Looking back to the promises, but looking ahead to who was coming, guess how? They, they waited another 300 years. From the time of Isaiah's promise, thinking, oh man, it's got to be close. Another 300 years, five or six generations, lifetimes. Till a man named Malachi, and for the Italians, we'll call him Malachi. So he, Malachi 3 verse 1 says, he says this, look. I'm sending my messenger and he'll prepare the way before me. Here comes another voice on the scene. Then the Lord you are seeking, the one you're waiting for, he's suddenly coming to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you look for so eagerly is surely coming. God, we waited 600 years and then 300 and then 300. And if you're adding at home or you're homeschooled, that's just a long time. We've waited and we've waited and we've waited. But he's surely coming? You know, as I thought about that, <laughs> the people who heard Malachi say that were probably in the moment like, yes, he's coming. And they probably thought, man, he's still coming. We've waited a long time. The embers of hope had kind of been almost out, but they've been fanned into flame again. We know he's coming. And then a couple hundred years pass. And I think maybe their thought changes to this. He's still coming. He's still coming. I know it's been a couple hundred years, but we got promises. He's still coming. 200 more years pass. And I think maybe it gets to this place. He's still coming? Maybe? God, I waited such a long, long time. Are you still, still coming? And they're running out of hope. One of their great kings, King Solomon, said it this way, that in Proverbs 13, hope deferred or delayed, it makes the heart sick. When, it's, when hope just doesn't, doesn't happen, 
It affects the people to the core. He says, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. And so they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting. And then all of a sudden, you know, in that little town of Nazareth, the messenger comes to Mary and with this news, he's coming and he's coming soon. And they're like, yes, we've heard this. And she's like, he's like, yeah, no, he's coming in nine months. Like I've never put dates on it, but I am now. He's gonna be here soon. And when everyone else must've thought, you know, God's forgotten or he's late, I love how Paul described it when he wrote to the Galatians. He said, you know what? When just the right time came, God sent his son. It was just the right time. That prayer, O come, O come, Emmanuel, had been answered. The promise of God with us had actually come true. God with us. And you know what the crazy thing is? If you waited a thousand years for something, do you think you would be like ready when it arrived? If you waited and waited and waited and waited, do you think you'd be ready when it arrived? You know, it's crazy how many people missed it. You know, can you imagine your children getting up on Christmas morning and be like, oh yeah, there's the tree again. And, and just like, ah, eh, you know, whatever. And let's just go on with our regular everyday routines of whatever that may be. Do you think that your kids would ever allow that to happen? No, because they're counting it down. If they don't know the calendar, they just know the night before. There's no way that, they've, that they're going to miss Christmas once they've been waiting and waiting and waiting for it. And yet that's exactly what happened to the nation of Israel. Their hope had been deferred for so long. They felt like the promise has been promised, but it's not going to happen anymore. And their hope had turned into wishful thinking. You know, it's been 400 years since we last heard. I don't even know if it's going to happen anymore. And they're not really looking for it anymore. It's like the Leafs fans who are like, you know, we hope they're going to win the cup. Does anyone believe that anymore? We get it now. Go Oilers. You know, Luke, Luke records the words of Jesus. He talks about in Luke 19, 44, as Jesus went to Israel, to Jerusalem, as he's standing in Jerusalem, he looks at Jerusalem and he says these words as he's weeping. He says, Israel, oh Israel, you didn't know the time of your visitation. I'm here, I came, God came to the planet and you missed it. I tried to let you know and let you know and let you know that he's coming, that I'm coming. And they're like, you know, he's still coming? I don't know if he's still coming. But there were some, there were some who were ready. There were some who held on to hope. There were some who experienced Emmanuel, who experienced God with us. We know the stories. Mary experienced it, God with us, holding God in her own arms. I love that. Mary, did you know that the baby you're holding, the one you delivered, will someday deliver you? Can you imagine those thoughts? Can you imagine Joseph, you know, having to parent God for a few years? Can you imagine like the the people who were the lowly shepherds, the people who everyone else kind of like, yeah, those are nobodies. They got to experience God with us, at least for one night. You know, the wise men who came from afar (laughs) they traveled to find Jesus and experience God with us when the people in that own town just never even realized it. I think about Anna and Simeon waiting in in the temple. They got to experience God with us. 12 disciples who followed Jesus and hundreds of others who followed Jesus got to experience God with us. And a man named Paul, who after Jesus had died, rose from the dead, revealed himself to him, he got to experience God with us. And it was Paul who would explain it to Jesus' followers like me and you and everywhere around the Roman Empire that what, had, what God had promised had actually already come true, that the hope for a coming Messiah had now been realized and that there was a hope shift that was needed. If you missed all of that because you're like, yeah, I already know the Christmas story, please don't miss this one thought. 
Paul was saying there's a hope shift that's needed. See, the idea of you looking forward and looking forward and looking forward to something, it's already happened. It's already happened. And I think that hope shift has to change in us as well today. It was no longer the hope that God is with us. That was what they were hoping for. It's the shift to say not God with us, but to think of it in the idea of we need to shift our hope to us with God. Do we think about us with God? Do we think about that thought? Because the thing is, though it started in a manger, it didn't end in the manger. That Jesus left the manger, lived a life, and went to a cross. And he didn't stay on the cross, but he left that cross fully dead and ended up in a tomb. But he didn't stay in that tomb. He rose from the dead and he spent some time with his followers. It says they saw him. Hundreds of them saw him. But he didn't stay with those followers for very long. He sent his spirit. He left and sent his spirit to live in them. So it would no longer be God you know, with us. If we're around Jesus, we're with him. But it would be God in us. God in them. God in us by his spirit every single day. That God with us was an everyday reality for them and for us. God with us isn't something I'm looking forward to. It's something to experience every day. And he gave a new command and a new promise, a new hope. Go into all the world and preach the good news. Why? Because he said, because I'm coming back. You've been like the hope of, oh, the, the anticipation for his arrival. He's saying, you've got the wrong arrival you're looking to. And when we get to the anticipation of Advent, we think, oh, we're, we're getting ready for Jesus, you know, his birth and for Christmas. We can tend to get our thoughts on the wrong coming. He said, our thoughts need to be on the idea that he's coming back again, that his second coming is more important now than his first coming, that our, our hope would be shifted to that, that I'm going to prepare a place for you, is what he told his disciples. I'm going to prepare a place, and then I'm coming back for you. You know what's interesting? Just a few short years later, people were like, we thought he'd be back already. You know, when he said, I'm coming soon, they thought like, like when, Thursday? You know, when are you going to be here? And he said, I'm coming soon. And then maybe the 12 disciples thought, you know, how long does it take for him to go build 12 mansions? He should be back by now. And years later, years later, not, not that many years later, we find that the, the Jesus followers who were in, in Corinth, they actually just thought, you know, we don't think he's coming back anymore. We, you know, to the point we don't even think he actually rose from the dead. We don't think there is this resurrection from the dead. We don't think we're actually going to go to heaven or anything like that. And Paul writes them and he says this, 1 Corinthians 15, he says, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ hasn't been raised. He says, is that what you're saying? Because if Christ hasn't been raised, then your faith as Jesus' followers, he's like, that's useless. You're all still guilty in your sins if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead. He says, I'm making the point. He says that in case, in the case of Jesus didn't raise from the dead, everyone who died believing in Christ, they're lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, if our hope is just set on this life, you know, the fact that Jesus came as a baby, if that's all what our hope is, he's like, we're more, we're more to be pitied than anyone else in the whole world. People should be looking at us like those losers sitting in that church building on a Saturday night. What the heck are they wasting all their time for? They might think that about us. And I love Paul. He says this, verse 20. <laughs> but in fact, in fact, the truth is Christ has been raised from the dead. And he is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. In verse 23, he says, there's an order to the resurrection. Christ was the first one raised, but he's the first of a harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. What's he saying? He's coming back. Paul said, listen, you've got, you've got your hope in the wrong place. Your hope should be on when he comes back. Not hope like, eh, wishful thinking, like, 
I, am, I know that it's gonna, I know that it's gonna happen to live with intentional preparation, this expectant waiting like a pregnant woman. I know he's coming, but not yet, not yet. You know, and maybe you think, yeah, well, <laughs> he told that to 12 guys 2,000 years ago. We've been waiting a long time. Do you know we can fall into the very same mindset as those people who were there in Jerusalem and missed the manger, missed his first coming? We can be there. We can get into that same mindset where, you know, we hear, yeah, Jesus is coming. He's coming back. And we're like, he's coming again. And we're convinced of it. We're ready for that. And we realize, yes, he's coming again. And then it's been like, it's been a long time. He's coming again. And then it maybe gets to that spot where it's been that for so long. You're like, he's coming again? Really? And that doesn't take generations. That can happen in each of our individual lives just over a span of time. Do we really believe that Jesus is returning again? Do I really believe that Jesus is returning again? Well, Matthew, Peter, Paul, John all wrote the ver- uh, a version of what Jesus said. He said, I'm coming back. And you know what? I, here's how I'm coming. I'm coming like a thief in the night. I'm coming like a thief in the night. So be ready. Be ready. And as I studied Titus with some of our friends and Thessalonians, some of the others were studying, I see this, this all of a sudden all throughout Scripture that Paul wrote to Titus and said to him, Titus, in Titus 2, verse 11, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we're instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. Titus, here's what I want you to tell other people. Turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom. We should be living with righteousness and devotion to God. Why? Verse 13. Because while we look forward with hope, to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. We're not looking back at a manger that happened, that just that Jesus came for us. We're looking forward and living our lives a certain way because we know he's coming back again. How do I want him to find me? What do I want him to find me doing when he comes back? Not if, not if. Verse 14, he gave his life to free us, Titus, from every kind of sin. He did it. He cleansed us. He made us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. I totally committed to doing good deeds? When I think about Christmas, what is my thoughts? We began um, this, this little talk by asking the question, what are you hoping for this Christmas? What are you hoping for this Christmas? I have another question for you. Do you ever wonder what God is hoping for this Christmas? I wonder what God's hoping for this Christmas. Think of that song, the hope of the world lifted on high, calling us home with arms open wide. Think of that. Think of God who sent his son to the planet to save a hurting, broken world. Paid a dear price, the life of his son, his blood, to pay for the sins of the whole world. And later he would say, <laughs> he came reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against him. That wasn't, he didn't come to judge, he came to save. But then it says he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Saying to us, it's, our, it's up to us to share that good news. How will they hear unless we tell them? How will people hear about the goodness of God unless somebody actually says something to them? He later writes to Titus, Titus, we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled. We became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other. Just in case you think all the people in the Bible were superheroes, none of us were. None of us ever were. That, that describes all of us. Our lives full of, of evil things, if we're honest. Verse 4, he says, But 
when God our Savior revealed his kindness and his love, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we did, not because of our good works, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins. Titus, he gave us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us as though um, uh, us through Christ Jesus, our Savior. And because of his grace, we're, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that what? We'll have eternal life. That it isn't all about here, that there's a hope beyond here. But I think sometimes we can get lulled into the, the thought of, he's coming again. Yeah, yeah, we believe that. He's coming again. It's kind of that spot. I guess my question for you is, which one are you tonight? Man, I live my life like he's coming again. I know it, I know it, I know it. Or maybe you're in the middle or it's like, I've heard that a lot of times. Yeah, yeah I, I think he's coming again. Or maybe you're in the spot where you're like, I don't know if I believe any of this stuff anymore. Jesus is coming back again. I found this poem that I wanted to share with you. I don't know who wrote it, but it goes like this. "'Twas the night before Christmas, and in most of the town, not a sign of Jesus was anywhere to be found. The people were all busy with Christmas time chores, like decorating and baking and shopping in stores. No one sang, away in a manger, no crib for a bed. Instead, they sang of Santa dressed up in bright red. Mama slipped her, sipped her hot cocoa while Papa's beer was on his lap. And they'll sip away, sip away with each present they'd wrap. Then what from the TV did suddenly appear? T'was an ad which exploited a sale down at Sears. So away to the mall, they all flew like a flash, buying gifts on credit and others with cash. And as they made their way home from their trip to the mall, do they think about Jesus? Oh no, not at all. Their lives were so busy with their Christmas time things. They had no time to remember Christ Jesus, the King of all kings. There were presents to wrap and cookies to bake. Not one thought for the one who died for their sake. To pray to the Savior, they had no time to stop because they needed more time to shop till they dropped. On Walmart, on Marshalls, on Target, on Winners, on Hallmark, on Kohl's, Swiss Chalet, Chicken Dinners. From the big stores downtown to the stores at the mall, they would dash away, dash away and visit the mall. And up on the roof, there arose such a clatter as Papa hung lights using his brand new step ladder. He hung the ones that would flash. He hung lights that would twirl. Yet he never once prayed to Jesus, the light of the world. Christ was born in a manger and then dwelt among us. He was forsaken and beaten, and this I will discuss. As I raise my children, they will know their salvation was won. For God so loved the world that he gave his own son. Christ died on a cross like a sheep to the slaughter. This is the story I will tell to my daughter. In three days he rose and he now sits with the Father. So give to him all the glory if it's not much of a bother. And instead of being busy, overworked and uptight, put Christ in your Christmas for a peaceful good night. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And I think about that and I think, you know, yeah, that's the world view. And that's, you know, we're, we're the, we have the Christian view. But oh, how easily we are lulled into that same thing. It can happen to any of us where we simply forget the real purpose of Christmas, the real meaning of Christmas. You know, this week I had an interesting experience. I got asked to come to the deathbed of a woman who I've never met before. She was afraid of dying and that's all I knew. But she had wanted to see me and so I went. And as I stood by her bed and they gave her days, I just asked her, I said, has anyone shared the good news with you? She couldn't really respond through the respirator she was wearing. But as she could nod, and I, I just simply said to her, you know, 
You don't need to be scared. There's good news that God loves you, that God sent his son to prove it, to show you that where we got it all wrong, where we've messed it all up, we've got these things called sin and sin's what leads to sickness. It's what leads to death. It's what leads to fear. It's why we have those things because there's something broken in us. But he came and he paid a price for us. And all he said is, would you put your trust in me that what I did was enough? You don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. You don't have to try and behave better, but simply trust that he died for your sins. We just simply shared that good news with her. It was hard to know what her response was. And at the end, I just asked her if I could pray with her, and she nodded, and I just prayed with her. Prayed with her on her behalf before the Lord. And then as we were about to leave, I, I don't know why it came to my head, but I just simply s- saluted and said, I'll see you when I get home. And through that mass, she just said, absolutely. It was the only word I understood. Absolutely. You know, it woke me up to the thought that that's why we're really here. That there are people lost, scared, in darkness, who are looking everywhere for a light and just don't know where to find it. Man, we can get so caught up in all the trappings of Christmas that we don't realize that we are on a mission. On a mission. We think about why we buy, you know, why do we have snacks here? Because we want your friends to come and talk to great people who know the Lord and have a chance to share him with them. Why are we building a gymnasium? Because we want your kids and your neighbor's kids to love church to the point that they're here, that they hear about the good news of Jesus' love for them, that they would realize that he is coming again someday, that our lives, we will give an account for them, that as Jesus followers, we would live our lives simply in that knowing that he could return at any moment. Who am I going to take with me? Who will I invite to Christmas? I love that song we sang last week. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. My hope. My hope rests on what he did for me, 100%. But my hope this year is that he'll get the Christmas gifts that he's hoping for. That what he gave his life for, he would see that return. That this would be the Christmas that we live with eager, expectant hope of his return. That this might be the Christmas where the thrill of hope grabs the hearts of our friends and our neighbors who don't know him. That they might find out the truth of Emmanuel, God with them. And for eternity be us with him. I'm wrestling with these thoughts. Because I think I find myself off that path far too often. And maybe you find yourself in that place. My prayer tonight simply is for myself and for you that Holy Spirit would lead you, that he would lead your steps, that the people's paths that you cross, that the promptings that you feel to do some good deed for them or to reach out to them or to invite them to our services, that you would take full advantage of those opportunities while you have them. You could change the eternity of someone. And I truly believe that. And maybe you're here tonight. You're not a Jesus follower. You kind of wonder about life. You wonder, what's it all about? You think, man, if God's real, he must not like me. I know me. I, I know he wouldn't want anything to do with me. I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. Can I simply say that the message of Christmas is true today as it ever was? That God so loved the world, so loved you, that he sent his son. He sent his son to do what we couldn't do, to pay our price, 
to pay for every sin we've ever committed and ever will commit and simply said, I don't want you to join a religion. I don't want you to keep a whole bunch of rules. That's not what I'm asking. I'm inviting you to come follow me and I'm inviting you to trust me to put your weight on me just in the same way that I would sit on this stage to say, God, I just simply trust you and I will live the rest of my life in anticipation and hope of your return for me. Whether that's while I'm alive or if I leave this place through death, I know that I'm coming to you and that you've got my eternity in your hands. If you're here tonight and that's you and your heart's pounding, you know that's you, I just encourage you simply just to reach out to him, just to simply say, God, I'm a sinner and I need a savior and I trust that you are the savior I need. God, would you save me? Would you save me? Heavenly Father, I just pray tonight over this night, pray over these words spoken. Lord, I, I know your words like seed in our hearts. I know it grows in my heart and I just believe it'll grow in the hearts of my friends here today. Lord, I believe that you've called us to be a part of your great mission, a co-mission, one that's with you. So help us hear your voice this week, Holy Spirit. Help us see people around us the way you see them. Help us to live our lives in light of eternity and realize the things that are most important in this life. God, would you do it in my heart? Would you finish what you're starting in here? Lord, I pray for boldness as we leave this place, (laughs) that we would shine, 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 shine in this darkness. Lord, let them see you. Let them see you, Jesus. It's in your beautiful name I pray, amen.